Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club podcast. My guest today is entrepreneur Sophie Barron, founder at Mama Made. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Would you mind starting off by telling our audience a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm American, if you can't tell already. Um, I was sort of born and bred in New York um, and went through various kind of career changes, um, eventually landing up in London, um, doing a PhD and then becoming the head of operations for a tech company in the employee benefit space. Um, and I very quickly after getting married had a daughter and really found myself sort of at sea with that change that comes with um, new parenthood, um, not really knowing kind of what to do with myself and and this free time, really, not free time, but this unstructured time that I hadn't had really ever in my life. Um, and the only way I could really kind of find my feet again was to go back to work quite quickly by UK standards. Um, so around six months. And that's the same time that you typically introduce solids to a baby. So it was that sort of confluence of events that made me realize just how um, outdated the services available to modern parents are in the UK. Um, there was nothing as a brand or as a product was speaking to the working parent, to the parent that needed that support, that wasn't surrounded by family, that wasn't surrounded by um, really that village that you need. Um, so that led me to start working on Mama Made, and we now deliver everything that parents need to create delicious, nutritious, home-cooked meals for their babies. Um, and... Yeah, it's been a it's been a journey, but we're I'm really pleased to see it now um, taking shape one year later, and yeah, doing quite well, thankfully. It's a fascinating story. I think my listeners will really resonate with with your process, and I think myself, I also not so long ago, three years ago, had a baby too, and it's such a life changing moment, isn't it? So I think, um, but having said that starting a business is also a life-changing moment <laughs> so you combine the two and um that that is not easy I, I actually had to stop working personally for a few years when my son was born I don't know how people function without the sleep and uh so how how have you managed um I mean thankfully finding a very good nursery I would say is just have that was my way of finding support um was being able to find that structured environment around her um very lucky um to have a very supportive partner who was really sort of pushing me to pursue this dream um and then working in a day job that was also very supportive they essentially incubated the idea of mama made when i i was going back to work and then i had this idea and i was speaking about it with them they really encouraged me to actually stay in my job <laughs> um keep earning money um until it got to a point where it just wasn't really sustainable anymore. Um, but yeah, I, it, it has been a bit like having two babies in, in two years sort of feeling, I would say. Um, definitely growing a business and is not too dissimilar from having an actual child. It's interesting because there's some ironic, um, you're actually feeding the baby with your business. <laughs> there's, some, there's some interesting marketing tagline around that, right? Yeah, I mean, we're sort of our own focus group, I would say, as my as my daughter's growing up. It's like, oh, what do we need next? What what, what do I need help with now? Um, but yeah, so it's definitely, I mean, it's very organically grown out of my kitchen. We only um, quite recently moved into a, a proper facility with a proper kitchen team. It was quite scrappy and, and from my home for a while. 
Well, I think that's a good way again for our listeners to understand that m- most good businesses do start that way. I mean, we all know Google started from a garage, right? I mean, to sometimes a very smart way. I, I, what I like about what you just said, and I want to pick up on it, is um, the company you were working for incubated and supported you. That feels unusual. And again, I'm thinking about my listeners out there that want to start a business and feel that they've got a job, but they've got to keep going and doing that job and they can't get their business off the ground. I love that. I love the fact that your previous company actually helped you. Um, that's special. Yeah, no, it really is. It, it's a really, um, it's a special place. The, I mean, the business itself is in that business of employee benefits and employee recognition. So you could say it was also just part of, of the culture of the company. Um, but the, I, the two CEOs were the founders. So they had themselves been on that entrepreneurial journey at some point. Um, and they've actually now both become investors in our seed round, um, which yeah, it was great. I think to, to have that support was really amazing. Um, and it was not something that I went in knowing that I could even ask for. Um, although in hindsight, and I suppose for anybody listening, I suppose it can't hurt to, um, if you are in a kind of an entrepreneurial environment with those sort of founders to, to be quite open and honest about what your own career ambitions are. Um, because people are usually quite supportive. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a really interesting insight there that a lot of people miss. Miss They just, I think that there's a concept, of course, in an interview, probably, if you sat in the interview and said, hi, I'd love to work <laughs> at your company. And what I'm really thinking about, though, is my own business. And right. so um, I actually do have those conversations in interviews with people that come to work with me. I actually really like to understand what their long-term dreams are and try to help make that happen. But, you know, I think for a lot of people listening out there, you know, your experience, your point there, I think they could really try it. And I know maybe you've got to be in the job already and have a relationship with the people that, you, you know, you've been working with for a little while. Um, but I, I absolutely think it's an avenue for anyone listening out there of starting your own business, you might be surprised if you're good at what you do, people don't necessarily want to lose you. So if there's a way for them to help you get what you want and also ultimately get what they need too, whether that's a careful transition to someone new coming in or, or whatever it may be, or become an investor in your business. Um, I've, I just think that's that's a beautiful example. And so that's wonderful to hear. I feel like we should give them a shout out. Do you want to... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're a brilliant company they're called XExec. Um, one of their brands is Staff Treats. Um, they do a range of discount programs and recognition programs for um, large corporates and SMEs across the UK. Um, and... Yeah, it was a sort of, I remember taking the job and not really being too sure about the sector, <laughs> just being like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, get some work experience in the UK. And um, they really are a company that practice what they preach in terms of employee recognition and, and putting those cultures into place in, in companies across the country. So, um, and actually across the world as it happens. So um, that was, yeah, a really kind of on the topic of luck, <laughs> lucky mm. confluence of, of events. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. I think we'll put their links in the podcast broadcast too. I think I think people that um, do this deserve a shout out. And I feel like it's one of those things that I'd like anybody listening that has a business, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that also listen to this show that have existing businesses, not, not just people that want to learn how to start a business. You know, if you, if you can start doing that for your staff, supporting them in their dreams, they will support you in yours. And so Definitely. I think it's a really, really good thing. And I'm glad I'm glad that uh, there's a story like this uh, out there. So um, tell us about uh, the whole process of, of building the business. And, and, and maybe um, just for our guests, for our audience to understand our guests, sometimes I like to understand you know, what is success for you so they can get a, a, a reading of what, what, what matters to you. 
I think there's sort of two metrics of success that I'm tracking. There's the one that's sort of internal to myself of kind of what does success mean to me personally in my own career, in my own life. And then of course there's like, what does success look like in the business? Um, and for myself, I think naturally as yes, for anyone that's definitely changed shape over the years. Um, and at the moment, I think being more family oriented than I've been, it's sort of that, you know, am I managing to run my business and, and grow my business and also be present for my family life um, in a way that feels good and right and balanced. Um, and then for the business, seeing this community grow, seeing how we're helping parents um, feed high quality, nutritious meals um, and just seeing that kind of growth of, of that company, seeing that there really is an appetite for this sort of product um, that really feels like, okay, we're, we're really doing something right here. Um, so when those, when everything's in a flow in that sense, that feels like real success. The, the, the whole um, purpose piece, which is how I interpret what you're saying, that the business has a strong purpose, right? You're helping um, families um, ultimately uh, deal with a difficult problem, which is feeding their children nutritional, nutritional, healthy meals on the go, right? That's hard for a lot of people, mm -hmm. busy lives and so on. So, you know, had, have you always been purpose driven or it sounds like you know even the job you were working in before you know it's, it's a kind of, as you say a, a staff treats this kind of concept of helping um helping people i mean has that always been a theme in, in you or is this something you've developed as you've, as you've gone through your education and career that's a really good question i would say it's not necessarily something i've consciously pursued although when thinking about taking positions that have felt right or doing things that feel right then Yes, in hindsight, the, there is that theme sort of running through of feeling like I'm doing something purposeful that has an impact on, on people, you know, even if it's part of a structure that's having an impact on people. Um, with Mama Made, it really, I mean, it so organically grew out of my own need in my own house that you could say it was actually, the purpose was initially just to help myself and then realizing that actually I'm not alone in, in this situation at all. And there are so many other parents out there um, experiencing these issues like myself. And um, so I wish I could say like, yeah, I went out to save the world, but I think it was probably actually originally more selfish than that. Um, but then, yeah, seeing how, how much help this was bringing to other parents that does sort of drive you to keep um, pushing on and, and developing the business in a way that keeps feeding off of that and keeps giving back to on that point. But I think there's another wonderful learning from your point there, which is sometimes people are put under a little bit of pressure to find their purpose. Like, what is your purpose? Don't start a business until it's purposeful. I think I've even said it myself at points. Having said that, sometimes, you know, like you're saying, you can start something that solves a problem for yourself and over time purpose builds. You know, it's not always easy to start a business with huge purpose from day one. I mean, even myself, you need experience. Like I'm, I'm now doing what I'm doing because at 15 years old, I started a business, didn't have any help. And then here I am 20 odd years later, I'm able to look back and realize there's loads of things I can do today to help that 15 year old me. So why don't I do it? You know, and I think if you hadn't had that experience, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's your purpose now. Right. So that's your, your process. Absolutely. And I, I think all the time how, you know, I'm very compared to a lot of the guests that you have on your podcast, for example, I'm a very inexperienced entrepreneur. And so the amount of time that I would cut out in the next venture, just in that sort of exploration phase, understanding all those learnings that come, I would say just from that exact experience, as you've just referred to, um, that 
that does take time. I mean, the idea for Mama Made came two years ago and we've really only been going for about a year. Um, but that whole year in between, in a way, yeah, next time round, I think would just be cut out completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, first of all, um, you're you're an old soul. I can sense it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think experience, I think a lot of our listeners um, who listen to some of our other podcasts, I'm always very proud of all the podcasts we've done, but sometimes you can hear about, you know, some entrepreneurs who have, like, Simon Long, who's built Wheatlap Banks, you know, from zero in seven years to one of the world's largest online banks with 43 million customers. And sometimes people feel like that's all quite unobtainable, you know, like, oh, well, you know, he was a one-off or lucky and they're never going to be able to do that. I think what I like about your story is, frankly, the organic way you've done it. I think, you know, the truth is, you know, if, if you apply yourself, you get the right support behind you. And you mentioned your partner, for example, earlier. I think that's crucial, having a partner support. You've got the support of the company you used to work for. And then you've got a problem you're solving for yourself. And bang, there you go. I think a lot of people could relate to that journey. And a lot of people don't take the leap, which you've done. And that's you know, part of what I think I'm trying to do with the podcast, to show people that it's possible um, and talk through your process. So when you came up with a business idea, I mean, was was Mama made the name from day one, or a lot of people want to know about branding? How did how did you come about with the name? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I um, I definitely obsessed over the name probably more than I needed to. I probably should have been focusing more on the like product, but there is a sense of like, oh, I'm going to start a business, and what am I going to call it? And um, I knew that because originally what we started with were these mixes. Um, yeah. Can just show them here these oh, yeah. mixes which the idea is that you can puree it you can mash it you can use it whole we've now got a few other lines as well but um so the idea that actually the parent had a hand in crafting that meal which um was a differentiator in the market so wanting to hone in on that that idea of it being made and um just I think I saw the word like marmalade on a, on a jar and I was like oh that kind of looks like mama made <laughs> and that was that was sort of it um i there wasn't too much thought. I think we probably could have charged, you know, someone could have charged us a lot more money to, to come up with a better name than that. But um, that was sort of the process of it. And then it sort of stuck, I guess. I like the name a lot. It's funny with branding. People <laughs> always give you an opinion. If Marmalade is listening, it's a very different name. <laughs> please please uh, leave uh, startup founders alone with your brand trademark lawyers but, it, but it's awesome and I, I love the story of that the parents are involved in in making the product I mean as a parent myself um, I have a child with allergies so right. it is very scary for us ever eating products that aren't homemade um, so I, I like the idea of being involved in the process just out of interest do, do you ever allergy side is that something you're tackling or is it yeah actually that was um so my partner actually has um allergies and my nephew who's who's a similar age to my daughter has a very severe egg allergy so I saw and I have seen firsthand that struggle that comes with an a child who has allergies um so all of our meals and our facility are completely free from the big eight allergens um and that's something that we're really committed to um staying free from egg and soya and dairy because it is surprisingly hard to find products that can be guaranteed um, free from. And I know, yeah, for parents, it's such a source of stress. So that's something that actually I really feel strongly about. It's not often, I mean, I'm being a bit general here, but, um, but you know, <laughs> PhDs becoming entrepreneurs isn't, isn't that common. Um, is, is it, is it, did you always feel like you were an entrepreneur? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Did, was it always there or how, how did it manifest itself in your life? 
Yeah, definitely not um, your typical entrepreneur story. Um, I suppose in my family, there are entrepreneurs, my grandfather, my aunt, but within my sort of immediate family, we're all quite traditionally educated and following traditional lines. And um, there was sort of no question growing up that, you know, I'd go to college, I'd get a probably another degree after that, and maybe possibly another degree after that, and then go into some very kind of structured um, career. Um, so I think that was a lot of the frustration that I found in my career as I was kind of going through is that I still didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, which probably explains pursuing a PhD because it allowed me to stay in school and not have to answer that question. Um, so it wasn't this idea of always being an entrepreneur. I can contrast that to my partner who is very entrepreneurial, has started businesses, exited businesses and has that gets that thrill from it. Um, for me, it's been a real learning process. I know I've referred already to that kind of year of learning that I had, and I'm still, I would say, in that process of learning kind of how to be an entrepreneur, um, what it means to to be a founder of a business. Um, yeah, definitely not <laughs> someone who dreamt her whole life of doing this sort of thing. And when you told your parents you were going to start your own business, what was their reaction? Do you know what? They were actually surprisingly very supportive. I think... Um, and they have been, they continue to be very supportive. I think for them, they understood kind of straight away what the proposition was. Um, I did manage to convince them that there was a real market and opportunity for um, for this sort of thing. And I think they've always been very supportive of kind of pursuing interests and doing something interesting and doing something that allows you to feel fulfilled. So they've, yeah, they were always very supportive of the idea. It wasn't too out of the box surprisingly. I've probably listened to this broadcast so uh, I feel like you have to say that <laughs> very supportive <laughs> no, no no but honestly I think it was a, I was I was a little bit surprised but I think for them in a in a weird way it was actually a more obvious step for me to take than to be for example doing operations at a tech company which didn't seem to be you know flowing so logically from a PhD whereas actually you know PhD you are kind of in charge of your own time and your own research and you are managing yourself in that way um so I think that step actually, in a way, there was a a bit more of a relief of like, okay, she's got some bit of direction now. Mm. I think, again, I'm always thinking about my listeners. I think the process, that looking at your kind of CV, I guess, you know, you right-hand person, at, uh, uh, editor at large for Vogue, and then your you know, research support at the London School of Economics and Political Science. You know, there's, there's a trend there, which is frankly, this very high-profile brand and image stuff. And then there's a change, um, and 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 so I'm interested in that moment. W- was it by accident, or did you say, "Well, I've worked at these big brands, and they're not as fulfilling as I thought, so I'll go and try a more personal business"? Or what was the process there? I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, sorry, but what was the process? No, no, I, it's something that I think about a lot because it's something I'm very conscious of. I would say is you know. I had followed this path of exactly that sort of being associated with brands that people know about and then um, going, making a shift. Um, And I think it actually just had to do more with, I was at a period where I was trying to understand myself a lot. I had come to London, um, didn't know anybody here, didn't really have any support here, um, met my husband quite quickly. And I think I just found myself in a place of wanting to be in a slightly lower pressure environment, I would say, um, than I had been um, wanting to just, have a kind of career that I could just kind of sink my teeth into and not feel that pressure of, of the brand or the pressure of the person that I was reporting into. And, and, you know, as we've discussed, it actually ended up being 
the most positive thing I could have done for my career was kind of put taking myself out of that rat race. That's quite New York, I would say, in the sense of chasing the the brands. Um, and yeah, that was where the most sort of development happened professionally and the contacts that I made there ended up being very fruitful um, for Mama Made. So um, it was a pivot for sure. A great, a great pivot. Another, another learning, I think, for anyone listening, you know, I think you can go through the process on your own of course you know you, you you go and work for these big brands and sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't a lot of the time the brand doesn't matter it's the people you work with right so but i do think the process there you've gone through is 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 what a lot of people be um be dreaming of it to be honest you know get a phd and then work with vogue and then go work at london school of economics i mean that sounds like for a lot of people the exact dream stru- structure they'd have if they could <laughs> um and and then you, here's the pivot that you take that that kind of changes your life forever and and creates a whole new universe that you're learning about now which is fascinating when you met your partner was he an entrepreneur straight you know was then and there or did he is that what you probably fell in love with yeah he um he had just um basically ended a previous startup of his hadn't worked out and i think it was like on our first date that he was explaining to me that process of kind of acknowledging that sort of quote unquote failure, I would say of the business. And, um, I just really respected that conversation. I think to, to build something up and then acknowledge it's not working, um, and actually be able to take all those learnings and then move on to start something else, which he had done. Um, that w- those were real qualities that I respected and I didn't realize cause I just had never been exposed to entrepreneurs in that sense before. Um, I'd always, you know, gone out with the quite kind of like lawyers, doctors sort of people. So to hear someone talk very openly about failure um, was was really eye-opening to me. And especially going into Mama Made, I would say has completely changed my risk appetite. Kind of, you know, you just sort of understanding what that process is of why businesses don't work out. And, and it's really, a lot of it is just what you take from that and how you pick yourself up again. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, this concept of failure. You know, of course, in startup world, it's, it's good to fail. And I think for a lot of people, they find that hard to process. I think in your partner's case, I'm sorry, I keep saying his partner. What's, what's your husband's name? Sorry, yeah, he does have a name. Um, Ian. Ian, Ian. Hello, Ian. I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> um, I think in Ian's case, you know, ironically, his business failing meant that he found the perfect partner in life. That's a very good yeah. twist. So it's, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Like failure at the time probably seems catastrophic. But in reality something much more exciting can come from it. I think I saw a quote uh, from Elon Musk yesterday on some tweet, you know, some people, the door, door closes, another one opens, but some people just don't see that the other door's open. Yeah. And so, um, you know, good for you, Ian. Good for you. I think that uh, this, I always have this thing about, you know, is, is entrepreneurship born or bred? I have these permanent debates with people about it. So I like to ask my guests, you know, what, what they think. What, what do you think? Are entrepreneurs born or bred? I feel like I'm proof that they can be bred, um, that they can be nurtured. Um, I had an idea, but it took a lot of encouragement from other people to get it going, um, such as my previous bosses, um, yeah, Ian, my partner, and also the support of people within kind of the startup community, finding mentors who can, especially as a woman entrepreneur, getting that support. Um, to get around a lot of that mindset stuff. Like we've just discussed failure and how that doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. Um, that is something that's learnable, I would say. It's like that 
is something that you can you learn how to talk to yourself you learn how to to reframe things in a way so um yeah i've learned a lot about how important mindset is as an entrepreneur and that all of that is yeah extremely learnable do you think you've had a, a big break in the business or how, how do you feel about the process so far is there a moment where it's gone wow there was a lucky moment how do you how do you see it I guess going back to that idea of um, kind of how you frame things, um, that moment of lockdown for us, you know, several months ago only was a real turning point, I think, where we saw things shift for the business tremendously. Um, just learnings that we thought would take a lot longer in sense of frozen food for babies in the sense of the value of subscription services for babies. Um, yeah, the direct to consumer element, all of that got erased almost overnight um, and really helped us just accelerate our growth. And now we're being able to sustain that growth, um, indicating to us, you know, that it's not just a, a nice to have during lockdown. Um, so, yeah, in this weird way, it was that period of, of real, you know, panic. And we're still in that, you know, as we're having this discussion now in this period of uncertainty. And, um, but in a way it was a, a very kind of lucky change for us because it, it let us kind of leapfrog, I would say three to six months of, of learning. Do you think coronavirus has, as a, you know, as a, as a issue in, in everyone's business has, has been a hindrance or, or are you saying there that it's actually helped in a way this, this business wise? Yeah, I, I'm, I would say like for us as a food business, particularly as a subscription service for parents, um, you know, many of whom found themselves looking after their children full time for the first time, you know, since birth, um, it was a real kind of lucky break for us um, in that sense. But again, everything's been building. So, you know, everything that I've done in the past and, and was working on to build to this point allowed it to scale quite quickly at that opportunity. Um, it could have just as easily been too much for us and we could have, you know, just had to put the pause button on, but um, we were building to this point and then, yeah, the lockdown just, we saw tremendous growth within like four weeks. It's interesting because I think different perspectives, like, you know, if I, before I'd heard that, I, I was thinking about your business and how maybe if people are at home, suddenly they've got time to cook. But, you know, it's perfectly feasible that people equally don't have time to cook. They've got a lot of other things to do <laughs> to tend to yeah, the children don't. and so on. Right. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, my wife and I, we order in food for ourselves all the time. Um, I think we'd love to do that for our son. It's just the allergy side that we continue to be a little bit nervous about. So if you can tick that box, um, we're definitely going to become your customer. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, no, I mean, and we'd be happy to send you a box. Um, yeah. But all of, yeah, I would say parents found themselves having to cook every meal whereas a lot of times the nursery cooks meals or if they've got nannies or grandparents helping out then they're helping out with the meals and you know for me as well as a parent I was faced with every you know all of a sudden it was like all three of us eating every single meal at home it's like mm. <laughs> plus snacks it was just felt like a constant sort of in and out of cleaning, the kitchen washing up making yeah, cleaning, washing up exactly. making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally and I and I personally I try to um, cook as well for our, our son um, but even when my wife, my wife does the heavy lifting even today, which I think is something wrong with that. But I try very hard to do the cooking, too. But it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I mean, three, three meals a day plus snacks for yeah. a hungry three year old. I mean, honestly, it's just never ending. 
It's the mental bandwidth as well. Like I, I just this morning, like went to make my daughter's lunch um, for nursery and opened the fridge. I was like, oh, I have to order groceries again. Like, mm. you know, it just it keeps, yeah, well, I mean, you know, and thankfully we can, we have that luxury of being able to just order food to the house. But um, I'm yeah. Just, I'm just grateful we've got running water. You know, the old days exactly. people had to get a bucket and go down the street and fill up their bucket of water. Imagine that. My son drinks, I think about six buckets of water an hour. So <laughs> Yeah. But um, I, I noted in your you know, history how much you loved writing. And, and so how do you balance? I mean, I don't know how much writing you're doing now. It feels like there's probably a book in your story. But, um, you know, how do you balance out those things that you still like to do with, say, the running of the business? I think it's actually quite lucky at the moment that we're in this time where content is really the best way of reaching people. Um, and at Mama Made, what we've seen is this real community start to percolate around the product. And that's community that's responding not just to the food and the recipes, but to people opening up about the experiences of parenthood. And um, for me, I've actually found communicating with our community over Instagram and being very open about different struggles and different challenges as a mother and as an entrepreneur has been a really amazing outlet for me, but also a very sort of useful way to connect with people. Um, for instance, I shared a couple of weeks ago that I'm actually expecting again and went, opened up, um, about that experience and that journey to this point and, um, have launched a newsletter to connect with people on a different le level. So there are ways to kind of keep channeling what I feel fulfilled by the most, which is that kind of writing and connecting through the written word. Um, and it's also a nice way to kind of connect and build an audience. So, um, that content side has been really important for us at Mama Made. So I think folding your your passions into the business seems to be the way, right? I think a lot of people sometimes separate them. Um, you know, I, I I like to play golf, for example. I'm not very good, but um, but I try to have them for business meetings while I'm playing golf. <laughs> um, so I suddenly sound very elitist, but uh, no, no, golf's no, for no, the common man these days. <laughs> you have to do things in a way that feels authentic to you. I think mm. that's been a real learning for me. Is I'll never be. I can't necessarily copy what other brands are doing or, or because it doesn't feel right. Um, it has to come from within me and within what the business is. Yeah. What does that need to look like to me to feel authentic as a founder? Um, that's been a really important piece. And, um, and that's what people I think ultimately are also connecting with. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think it's also interesting your 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 um your story from from a listener's perspective when you when you talk about okay so here here's someone you that loves writing that's good at writing I've read some of your stuff it's really good you know you've got that ability hey the natural instinct is go work for Vogue which you did uh, but I think it's interesting where you can then go further down the line and realize well that's too you know too straight a line it wasn't go work at Vogue it was start your own business and leverage your writing skills and and love for writing into the business which is I think an interesting uh, way I want people sometimes to realize and then your story illustrates it so well. Yeah, and again, not consciously done. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I mean, often a lot of what we do do is in the subconscious <laughs> anyway, right? But, but it, we, a lot of people do do the first step, which is they love writing, so they go work at Vogue and then they're there forever, good or bad. But, you know, right. most of the time I see people working for other people not necessarily enjoying it, get stuck with the brand image versus the reality of doing the job. The great thing about what you're doing now is you can write, like you say, the way you want to write in authenticity. Um, but, but when you're working for Vogue, you have to write as the voice of Vogue, right? So that wouldn't necessarily be 
uh, an authenticity piece that you've discovered is so important to you. And frankly, I couldn't agree more. So important for customers to feel too, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was definitely that moment. I would say that um, I realized like, well, I am writing a lot, but is this the topic I want to continue writing on? Are these the things that I want to continue exploring? And um, I mean, it was a tremendous learning experience. I, I still think that was sort of like a master's degree <laughs> um, working there um, with the amount that I learned. But yeah, it does come a point where you realize it's not exactly what you think it's going to be or what you want your life to look like. Um, again, going back to that feeling of what feels like success and, and it definitely came time to make a shift. Yeah. I think the image side, I mean, if you tell people, um, you know, on your LinkedIn, what you're, you're working at Vogue and you're a writer, you know, the image is, oh, wow, what, that's the dream. You know, when you say you're working for yourself and it's hard work, people are like, oh, why would you do that? You know? <laughs> but in reality, the truth is, you know, it doesn't sound as glamorous, but the reality is you enjoy your life more. And, um, by the way, congratulations for me and the listeners on, on having a soon to have a, a second uh, baby <laughs> and a you. third, a third startup. In yeah, exactly. <laughs> Third child. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess um, I, I, I could talk to you all day. It just I just love um, your openness about the whole um, process. But do you think if you if you look going forward, do you, do you, I'm going looking at your history of your your life? Do you think luck has played a role? How do, how do you feel about luck? Um, I think of luck in two ways. I was always raised being told you make your luck in life. Um, and so, so much of what happens or what you just, you know, is about attitude and how you think about things or exact going back to that thing about framing, um, what happens. Um, but I also acknowledge the extreme luck of, you know, the circumstances of my birth that allowed me to go to, um, you know, an excellent colleges and universities and, and have, um, experiences that were based, um, a lot on the privilege that I had of just being born in New York city, um, as a white passing individual. Um, so I have to acknowledge that, but I do think that a lot of what's come, you know, within my career and my personal life, it is about what you make of luck and what you make of your life. Um, and there've definitely been situations, you know, for mama made that have felt like, Oh, this is like (laughs) bad luck. This is like so annoying or bad timing. But again, it's that sort of question of what can you learn from it and take it going forward. And that doesn't, necessarily come naturally but when you do kind of get into the habit of learning from those bad experiences or bad situations um, and turning it into a positive not necessarily but just learning from it then you start to feel a lot luckier on the whole I would say. Well, I think our this is lucky that Ian's company failed which you might not be. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> it's all thanks to him. Yeah, it's all thanks to him totally yeah. Well, um, I, I, I thank you for your time. Um, I, I'd love to, uh, I, I've been saying this to all my guests lately, so it's starting to sound, but I really mean it. I'd love to have you back on the show. I think I'd love to follow your journey. We'd love to um, hear more about the process as you're going through it. So um, love love to have you back on if, if you're up for it and share share what's yeah. happening. Um, I'm, I'm going to sign up as a customer today. So thank you. And we'll put the links below for anyone that's interested in knowing more about what you're doing. Um, I I, um, I guess I always like to uh, end the podcast um, with with a light question, which some people argue is not that light. But if you were went back to your younger self and gave some advice, um, what would it be? And I, I kind of think you are still quite young. So, but uh, you know, you go back to your seven year old self or something. But uh, but what what advice would you give your younger self? Do you think? 
I guess I would maybe start, yeah, encouraging myself to start earlier on the thinking about what success means to you in terms of how you feel about your life. Um, We've spoken about it a bit, but how I was quite focused on going to these brand places and having these kind of names on my resume. And I think um, that obscured a bit what I actually wanted out of life. Um, And I wish I had learned earlier that that doesn't matter so much as, as having a purpose and feeling fulfilled by what you're doing. Yeah, it's very interesting that I, I wonder how easy it is to transfer that knowledge you're highlighting there into people that haven't yet had the experience of working for a brand. It's, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting if you went back to your younger self and said that, you know, whether it would make any difference and whether it's a good idea to have <laughs> changed the path anyway. Because I think you really appreciate what you've got now in part because of the experience you've had in those in those brands, right? Of course. I suppose it's just thinking about exactly that. What do you intend to get out of a workplace or out of a university or out of a, um, yeah, an apprenticeship or internship? Um, what are the reasons behind it? Um, and I think nowadays, especially people appreciate that untraditional path a bit more. We appreciate that learnings can come even if you don't go to university, that you can have a really tremendously successful career um, without having that. And so I think it's just being brave enough to kind of be true to what feels right for you rather than doing things because you feel like you have to or because you think it's going to make, that's what's going to make other people proud of you. Yeah. You're saying something very profound there, actually. And I think it's it's quite hard to translate the experience into maybe the listener's uh, subconscious. But I, th- I think, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think what the trap is, I guess, I think the trap is that you buy into image over authenticity. So That's a very know, good point. I think it's knowing yourself, isn't it? What you're, what you're saying to your younger self there is kind of like just, you know, and I think a lot of you, you, you it's amazing what you've done because you've gone through that experience. You could have easily got trapped in those uh, those trappings in that image that business card that whatever you know that lifestyle and so and and so i think and, and if that suits you that suits you but if it's not your authentic self or that's the right word or if it's not really who you are um i think you've got you know you've got to look at yourself and i think that's really good advice actually for people out there and your younger self but i think you've turned out brilliantly so so Pat, <laughs> it was, it's all the right right thing Thank in the you. end anyway I'm, I'm going to sum up some of the things i've taken from uh, your 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 story today, um, and so um, my 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 a few things I think I want to make sure that the audience here. Um, you know, I, I like the point we talked a lot about how you frame things. You know, I think that's very important the way you look at different elements of what's happening in your life. I, I like the point you also made about sharing your struggles. I think this is this is this might be the uh, t-shirt I make. We make a t-shirt of what what I guess say. So <laughs> I think as for me, I, li- I like this. Share your struggles. I think there is a big taboo even today with people um, suffering in silence. And I think that you know a problem shared is a problem halved. I mean, it's but it's, even though we know these things, people feel um, worried to do it. So you know, I admire you sharing. You know, I guess the excitement and fear of having another child, for example. You know, these things are everyone feels them in different degrees either way but the fact that you share it i think that sharing the struggles piece is 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 so good being authentic i I just couldn't i couldn't highlight your point there enough over and over again i think people get lost sometimes in the instagram world or whatever it is being authentic is actually can bring you true happiness because you are who you are so i think that's a really good message from from you there 
I like this concept of um, being fulfilled, reminding make, reminding people to check back in on that. You know what what's actually going to fill their cup? You know, is it going to be working for Vogue? Is it really, or is it is it what you're actually doing at Vogue? Right. So that that being fulfilled piece. Um, you know, I, I like I like uh, I like the point to remind people as well to be present, which you mentioned earlier. I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs or anyone uh, out there, we sometimes can get lost in in what we're doing and and making sure that we're present and there for the ones we love. I really think that's that's uh, awesome. And I just want to uh, you know end by saying that the staff treats uh, management <laughs> made a massively successful investment in you, and I respect them as business people a lot. I think um, you know. Uh, everybody who has a business should encourage someone to start a business. So, uh, so, so, yeah. So, thank you so much for sharing your story, Sophie. We'll be following you carefully and supporting you where we can. And so, uh, thanks so much. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, it's been so great to meet you and to chat with you. And um, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast show today. We know you have thousands of podcast shows that you could be listening to and you choose us, and we feel very lucky. If you've enjoyed Sophie's insights today, then perhaps give her a like on one of her social media channels, mention her, give her a comment, and let us know that you found this podcast useful. It means the world to us. Equally, if you know anybody out there right now that needs Sophie's service or needs to hear this story, then share it. Make sure the people out there that are starting businesses don't feel alone and anyone out there thinking of starting a business, even if you've got a PhD, can do just that. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you back at the podcast, Good Luck Cup podcast, next week. <laughs>